Welcome into the first edition of J and J Fantasy Talk. I'm Jackson Kane, your host, joined by my co-host, the great Jesse Toops. How you doing, Jess? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So we're back. Um, we're ready to give you guys some insight on fantasy football. Um, obviously, the season's about two two months away, or pretty close to that, and we're ready to talk some fantasy football. So we're going to get into some stuff today. Talk about some rookies, um, talk about some guys we think are flying under the radar, and then we're also going to talk about some guys that switch teams and what we think is going to happen with those guys. So without further ado, let's get started with the very first edition of J&J Fantasy Talk. So our first segment here, we're going to go with um, some rookies that we think are going to be significant contributors this season, and when I, when I say that, I mean... You know, guys that are going to get some opportunities early and often and that I think are going to, you know, make an impact from week to week. So, Jess, let's get started. Who is your first rookie that you think is going to, you know, contribute week to week in your opinion? Well, rookies are really hard to get uh, a grasp on when they haven't performed yet. So, really what we look at is rookie running backs have done a really good job of translating the NFL in their very first year. You see people from all the way from draft picks like Todd Gurley that have went early to Kareem Hunt that have went in the fourth round. Once they get the opportunity, if they're talented enough, they normally produce for fantasy right away. So my pick, which I didn't want to go with somebody who is getting the starting job immediately, so I chose Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is running back from Penn State. He's 5'11", 211 pounds. He was drafted by the Eagles with the 52nd pick in the draft. They actually got that pick from a trade that they made in 2018 on draft day to move up and get Dallas Goddard. Uh, We saw Baltimore in turn pick up Lamar Jackson, and the picks from that trade ended this year when the Eagles took Sanders. Uh, Sanders had 220 carries, 1,274 rushing yards for nine touchdowns, and 24 receptions for 139 yards in his last year with Penn State. It was actually his only year he started because he was locked up behind, uh, guess who? Saquon. Saquon, yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, his average rush and reception rate were both at 5.8 yards for his junior year, which I don't really care about that. Uh, As long as he can catch the ball out of the backfield, that's all that matters. This is what really matters. Do you know who the last running back the Eagles selected this high in the draft was? Shoot. um, I'm going to just take a stab. Maybe Brian Westbrook? I don't know. That's just a guess. I don't know. LaShawn LaShawn McCoy Shady McCoy Alright, I should have known that The Eagles have not taken a running back this early in a draft since LaShawn McCoy Not only is this the highest spot they've taken a running back since McCoy But he was the second running back off the board The Eagles practically had the pick of the litter and they picked Miles That tells me one, they saw something in the guy And two, in the NFL this day and age You don't take a running back that high unless you have plans for him after watching some film on Sanders, there were some things that really stuck out to me. I'm not a big college football fan. Right. A, I'm not either, but, you know, it, I mean, it's something I've tried to watch a little bit more of now that I've kind of delved into the fantasy scene a little bit, and I think that helps to be able to watch a little bit. But I'm, I'm not huge on uh, college, but I like to go back and watch, you know, highlights and whatnot. So Yeah, what I tend to do is I don't really pay attention to uh, college football. If I hear about some people, some hype from uh, coming into the year, coming into the draft, then I start looking people up. But it's, it's right when the draft is coming is when I really start paying attention to the offensive talent that's coming out of the draft just so I can get a, a head start on fantasy implications and see, you know, who do I really believe in? And then when they go to a team, if they have the opportunity, then I can really bank on it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, opportunity is, is the key key phrase there and you know we've seen it before i know you were high on kareem hunt coming in two years ago oh yeah and uh that really worked out for you so i mean i think sanders is gonna have some opportunity obviously he he uh was drafted pretty highly so we'll see what happens obviously jordan howard's there now as well um via trade so we'll see what happens yeah I, i wrote down some things that i saw after watching some of uh sanders highlight videos and uh, there's some things that I really enjoyed from watching him run the ball. One, he stays upright after contact. It's a lot, actually, of what I saw with Kareem Hunt when, when he goes uh, uh, through the middle. 
Uh, he, he meets a defender, and he stays on his feet, and he stays upright. And, uh, you know, you extend plays. You don't go down easy that way. Uh, he can break tackles. He, he, he jukes defenders. He's just shifty. If you see him move, he doesn't have a particular way of doing things. He doesn't come out of the backfield, like, explosively fast. But once he gets an open space, man, that guy is gone. It's, it's pretty incredible watching him. He's pretty fast. Uh, the Eagles do have a pretty crowded backfield, and they have for the last couple years, which it makes it pretty hard to commit to an Eagles running back for your fantasy team. And I get it. You know, who wants to play the guessing game week to week on who's going to get the most touches or who's going to get the goal line work? I know I don't want to. I normally don't. I normally don't go for crowded backfields. It, it's hard. Like the Patriots, um, you know, the Eagles, the 49ers this year is one of the teams that I'm not really particular on uh, drafting somebody until yeah. maybe it, it lightens up a little bit. Ravens in the past have had crowded backfields as well. Exactly. So. Uh, but I don't believe it's going to be as crowded as it is right now when the season starts. Here are the Eagles running backs as of now. Josh Adams, Corey Clement, Jordan Howard, Donnell Pumphrey, Boston Scott, Wendell Smallwood, and then they just drafted Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's it's it's crowded, but you know some of those guys are aren't you know NFL caliber guys that are going to be able to carry the load. Yeah, I really so. don't I really don't think that a few of these guys are even going to be on the roster right. when the team's when the year starts. The Eagles have all these running backs. They drafted or they traded Jordan Howard or for Jordan Howard, and they still drafted Miles Sanders with a second pick. The highest pick that they've uh, used on a running back since LaShawn McCoy. I think that the Eagles aren't satisfied with what they've had with these running backs uh, last year doing the committee approach. I think they're trying to move away from it. And I think that that's why they picked up Miles Sanders, and that's why they got Jordan Howard. Um, as I said, rookie running backs, given the opportunity, have translated very well in fantasy the last few years. It's no secret that Jordan Howard is not a pass catcher. He's a downhill runner, and I think he'll be the goal line back the majority of the time. Um, and it may not happen immediately at the start of the season, but I do believe Sanders will get a lot of the work between the 20s, and he'll see some goal line work sometimes as well. Uh, he's got skill set, he's got the high draft capital, and he's got a really good offensive line to help him succeed when they start feeding him the ball. Uh, right now, he's going in the back of the 7th and 12-man drafts. It's really good value for a guy that's going to be the 1A or the 1B most likely on a great fantasy offense with a great line. And... Uh, that's why I really, I really think that Miles Sanders is going to have a good year this year. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, with the rookie running backs, do you think maybe that it's um, more less wear and tear, and that's why you think they've been translating well to fantasy, or do you just think it's kind of been a coincidence? I think it's uh, it's a couple things. One, they are fresh coming out of the gate, and it's a lot easier to uh, to learn an offense as a running back than as a wide receiver, as a, as a quarterback. Uh, also, running backs are a little bit more interchangeable. Uh, you, can, you can find a skill set that a running back has, and you can exploit it, and you can use it to your benefit. Um, and they can get going right away. Right. And like you said, they're young. They don't have as much wear and tear. So, um, yeah, it, it works out pretty well for teams, it seems like, especially the last few years, and it really works out for fantasy. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get to my uh, first uh, youngin, rookie, if you will. My pick is Nikhil Harry of the Patriots. And one reason I'm picking Nikhil Harry is because New England is just one of the top offenses in the league. And I'm going to go over some uh, their scoring offense these last five years. 2018, they were fourth um, in points per game with 27.3. 2017, second. Uh, 2016 third, 2015 third, and 2014 fourth. So obviously a top four scoring offense the last five years. A lot of that's Bill Belichick. A lot of that's Tom Brady. And, you know, I think that's going to continue. Obviously it's a pretty uh, reliable trend we have there. And I, I want guys that are on offenses that are going to score. And obviously the Patriots score a lot of points. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, Nikhil Harry's one of those guys that he's going to get his opportunities. Obviously, a first-round draft pick, that's something that Patriots usually don't spend on a wide receiver. So seeing them take Harry that high, I think that says a lot. Um, one thing we're going to reference a lot on this podcast is um, available targets and air yards. Um, that's something I found on Roto World. A guy named John Daigle came up with that. And then also unaccounted for carries um, for next year. 
And what basically what those are, available targets in air yards, is the available targets from last year for a team that aren't there anymore, and then also unaccounted for carries, same, same concept. Patriots have the ninth most available targets from last year, 165. Um, Gronk had 72 of those targets. Obviously, he's not there anymore. And then Josh Gordon also suspended, so he's not going to be there. So that's what? 140 40 targets of the 165 that aren't there. It's a pretty big chunk. So, yeah, Nikhil Harry's going to get his looks. And that combo, Gronk and Josh Gordon combined for six TDs. So that that's a void that I think Harry can fill. Um, Julian Edelman, obviously he's the best guy left um, on the receiving core. After that, it's kind of slim pickings. Um, Philip Dorsett's there. He's, he's kind of strictly a deep threat. Um, James White, I, you know, he's always slept on. I think he's somebody that you you always want to target, especially in PPR drafts. But other than that, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, Harry's show on the outside. So I think Nikhil Harry is definitely somebody I'm going to be targeting as far as rookies go this season. Yeah, uh, when it comes to rookie wide receivers, you see a trend where they don't really get going in the first half of the year. Uh, we saw it with DJ Moore last year. He really started to get going in the second half of the year with the Panthers. And uh, the Patriots, they always find a way to just pick up wide receivers and do things with them. Uh, we saw it happen last year when they uh, – who was the guy that they were using as a running back too at times? Yeah, uh, Cordero Patterson. You know, he's he was a guy who got shipped off by the Vikings and, and the Raiders – and another man's uh, trash is someone's treasure. Yeah, so. he was a return specialist, and they yeah. were running the ball with them at times. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, rookie rookie wide receivers um, don't usually start showing up till the second half of the year. I think Nikhil Harry's going to be there, I think be a force be the whole year. Yeah, yeah. When, when the Patriots paid up for him like they did, I think the one they addressed that they, they want to keep a guy around and they wanted to have somebody they really – saw something in right away and how they run their offense it's going to be tough to get involved in that offense right away it's it's not an easy system to learn right but i really think that with the offseason work and camp he's going to be fine and he might not start right away you know going crazy but he's going to have a great year yeah i agree wholeheartedly all right so let's move on our second um pick here my pick would be uh, david montgomery um, Bears have the second most carries available from last year uh, with the departure of Jordan Howard, like we talked about. Um, the Bears are also tied with the Lions for the most carries available inside the five-yard line. I think that says a lot. Um, 68.7 of those carries are available. So David Montgomery, he's going to have you know, his chances to score for that offense. Um, as we know, Tariq Cohen is still there, but he's not a guy you're going to have um, – you know, early down work with. He's more of a third down specialist, um, gadget guy. Montgomery, he showed at Iowa State that he can do, you know, the the workload back. Um, He had 258 carries uh, two years ago and then 257 last year. So that shows me that he he can be a bell cow back. Um, He had 58 catches uh, his last two years there. So that also um, is a positive for PPR purposes. But like I said, um, Tariq Cohen's going to be involved. So what do you think about David Montgomery? I think uh, when the Bears selected David Montgomery, I think they were looking really towards their future. You saw them pick up Mike Davis in the offseason, and people were starting to think, you know, what's going to happen with Jordan Howard? They've tried to get him involved in the pass catching. He, he went and got LASIK surgery to try and become a better <laughs> pass catcher. We were hearing all kinds of hype last year about how he was – working after practice catching or trying to catch hundreds of balls yeah and uh we knew that mike davis was going to be the start to a new move for the bears and then we saw them ship off jordan howard drafting david montgomery i think possibly put mike davis in the back yeah and maybe david montgomery is going to be the bell cow maybe mike davis is just going to spell him who knows but i there's a lot of unaccounted for carries left uh, in Chicago, and uh, David Montgomery, he's going to have the opportunity to show what he needs. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think Montgomery with Tariq Cohen, it's going to be, you know, more of a one-two punch. Um, Tariq Cohen, he had 170 touches last year, so about a little over 10 a game. Do you think he's going to have more or less than that this year with Montgomery being a rookie 
we don't know what Mike Davis is going to bring to the table. Do you think Cohen's going to have more than that, 170? Uh, I mean, it's it's really hard to to gauge that. I think that the offense that they're getting going there is going to involve the running backs, and they just wanted multiple people that had multiple skill sets. So right. then when they put a running back out there, the defense couldn't gauge on, oh, this is just going to be a run because it's Jordan Howard, and we don't have to uh, we don't have to really prepare for the pass. We don't have to. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's, uh you know, there there's different skill sets. There's guys that you, you got to prepare for, and anytime Tariq Cohen's on the field, you think they're going to be passing the ball. If David Montgomery's out there, you might not know because he can catch the ball and run the ball. So, it's good to have him in the mix, and then Mike Davis is that you know bulldozer kind of guy. So we'll see what happens with that backfield. Um, Jess, who you got for your second rookie? Well, Lamar Jackson wasn't the most accurate QB his first year. He had a low completion percentage. He didn't throw the ball off. He threw less than 200 times last year. Um, he had some success with tight ends, but they pretty much had an unproductive pass game with him at the helm. And uh, he ran the ball a lot. I mean, a lot. 147 rushes for 695 yards and five touchdowns, to be exact. He only had one more passing touchdown than he did rushing in the season, which isn't ideal for your future quarterback. Uh, Of course, you're going to see Jackson still run the ball. uh, But if they keep running it that much, he's going to get injured. It's just going to happen. So maybe they need to get the ball out to receiver early, perhaps a screen here and there, and some deep balls to keep the secondary honest. That's where Hollywood Brown comes in. Marquise Brown was the first receiver taken off the board in this year's draft, and for good reason. The Ravens selected this absolute burner as the 25th pick despite his size at 5'9 and 166 pounds and him coming off of a Liz Frank injury. In his two-year career in college for the Sooners, he recorded 132 receptions for 2,413 yards and 17 touchdowns. That's 18.3 yards per reception. That's real nice. Uh, Matt Harmon of Reception Perception made it clear before the draft that Hollywood was his favorite receiver out of the draft. And if you don't know who Matt Harmon is or Reception Perception, uh, Matt Harmon is a, uh, he pretty much specializes on wide receiver film and he breaks down the film of wide receivers running routes and charts, their success percentages on each route. Uh, Brown runs great, great routes. Uh, he has amazing speed. He wasn't allowed, he wasn't able to, to participate in the combine because of his injury, but uh, the off season before his junior year, he ran a 4.3 40. Uh, and he, he's still physical enough with his size to uh, miss and break tackles in open space. Uh, his size will make it difficult for him to win contested catches, but his separation and speed on the field will make contested catches less common. Um, all the notable fantasy wide receivers in Baltimore from last year are gone besides Willie Sneed. There's no Michael Crabtree, no John Brown. They did draft Miles Boykin in the third round, but Marquise is on pace to be back by the beginning of the season. Uh, he might have a little catching up to do. Uh, he has no setbacks of now. Uh, though he's not going to be able to reach training camp in time uh, as they thought at first. But if he continues to progress with no setbacks, Brown should be ready for the start of the year. Um, Like I said, he might not have a very good start of the year because he's going to be missing training camp. Uh, But they paid up high for uh, Marquise Brown. So I think that he's got an opportunity there once he's healthy and once they think he's ready to go. Um, He's probably going to go undrafted in drafts because – the hype isn't really there because of the injury, because of the time it's going to take for him to get back, and because he's probably not going to uh, be acclimated to the system right away like they want. But uh, once you see him making sharp cuts and planning with the foot and the hype coming out, I think that uh, he's going to be a good guy to stash if uh, it comes out before draft, draft time. And if it comes out after draft time, you'll be able to pick him up off the waiver wire before he goes off, and maybe you'll have yourself a, a nice flex play, maybe even a wide receiver that can help win your league. Yeah, I, I agree with all your points there. Um, do you think uh, Hollywood Brown might be this year's DJ Moore as far as a guy that could come on the second half of the year and, like you said, could be worthy of a stash? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that he has all the talent in the world. Uh, it's pretty much just going to come down to how he recovers from this injury. If, if he comes back and he's healthy, then he's going to have a great second half of the year. Uh, like I said, the Ravens' passing offense is pretty stagnant, so uh, you got to hinder the expectations until you can see some real uh, progress from Lamar Jackson. But they're working on his throwing motion. Uh, he's going into his second year. Uh, he was a rookie, you know, and you can only expect so much out of a rookie quarterback. Uh, I, I think this year 
Lamar gets a little bit more on track, and I think that a receiver like Marquise Brown's really going to help that happen. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it, it's it's really going to hinder hinge on you know Lamar Jackson's progress as a passer. So we'll see what Holly, Hollywood Brown can do. Um, okay, so my third rookie that I think is going to be you know viable in fantasy. Um, I'm not sure what his you know ADP is, average draft position right now, or if he even is being drafted. But I think you know he's one of those guys you could probably slot in at a flex you know early on in the season, especially in PPR. And that's Andy Isabella for the Cardinals. Oh yeah. Um, he's a guy you know he got drafted I believe second round by the Cardinals. Um, supposed to be the number three uh, receiver heading into the season behind Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk. Um, Arizona, they're going to be running an offense that's you know going to be wide receiver heavy, have three, four, five receivers on the field basically every single play. So I think it's it's one of those things where the offense and the coaching and the scheme is going to put him in a place where he can make plays and get a lot of catches because I've been reading up on Kingsbury's offense and it's kind of a you know, high pace. You want to get a bunch of plays off. They're trying to get 90 a game this yeah, year, it's gonna be insane which if has they can do it. yeah, it's never been averaged before. There's been times where teams have ran 90 plays in a game, but it's never been something that they've sustained for a whole season. Um, you know, if, if let's say they do get to that 90 play uh, uh, plateau um, and they get to a 50-50 split on that, that means Arizona's going to be throwing the ball 45 times a game. On average, oh so God. that means that Isabella, if he's the number three receiver, shoot, he could be getting you know eight, ten targets, maybe even more than that, um, in a offense where you're throwing the ball a bunch. So, uh, uh, definitely a guy that's on my you know PPR radar, um, and I think that he's going to be viable this year. He's fast too. He's a burner. Yeah. So, I, I'm excited to see what he can do in Arizona. Um, did you have any more rookies? Or did we cover everybody? You had David Montgomery as well on your list, right? Yeah, yeah. When you said David Montgomery, I was, I agreed with you immediately. Okay. All right, let's move on to our second segment here. This is something we're going to call Unsung Heroes for this upcoming season. And what we're looking for here are players that are getting not much, you know, pre-draft hype or preseason hype, but they're guys that we think could win you a league. Um, based upon their production and, you know, the value you might get for them uh, where you take them. So I'm going to start us off with Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback for the Niners. So let me explain myself. You're, you're making a face, and I'm going to tell the listeners exactly why I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I actually wrote up a little something about him in uh, my Sleepers article about a week ago. So basically... Jimmy G, he's coming off the ACL, as we know from last year. Um, but he's coming back to a better offense. They got more weapons. Um, Dante Pettis, he, he showed what he, he could do last year with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard throwing oh, him the ball. Big fan so, of Dante Pettis, big fan. So with a guy that's actually a competent quarterback throwing him the ball, it should be a lot different. George Kittle also showed out last year. And, you know, those two guys only got to play with Garoppolo for two and a half games. So, yeah. And they still were out there putting up numbers. So I'm excited. Uh, they drafted this fast guy, Debo Samuel. Um, I'm sure he'll be making a couple plays this year. Tevin Coleman, he's a guy I'm really high on this year as well. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, we haven't seen him play in over a year. So who knows what we'll get with him. Matt uh, Peanut Brittle Brita. <laughs> the guy that's always breaking, but he seems to get back out there. So this team is stacked on offense, in my opinion. So that's that's one reason I'm pretty high on Jimmy G. Um, another reason would be their improved defense. Uh, they went out. They got Quan Alexander. They got D Ford. Um, I, I believe they got another cornerback. I can't think of who it is right now, but I, I think they're going to be a pretty solid team, regardless of you know fantasy. Um, but I think fantasy-wise, they're going to be pretty pretty viable because when you look at their schedule, they're going to be playing the Rams twice, a team that's in their division, the Cardinals twice, also in their division. Those are two teams we know can put up points, or at least we're speculating the Cardinals will put up points. The Buccaneers, uh, Bruce Arians, known for you know airing the ball out. Steelers, airing the ball out. The Browns uh, just got Todd Munkin in there 
from the Bucks last year who threw the ball, I think, second most in the league. Um, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he'll shoot you out. Saints, always a shootout. And the Falcons, always a shootout. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty high on Jimmy G. And then also they've got Kyle Shanahan running uh, the whole team. So, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is like a steal at quarterback this year. He's definitely somebody I'm going to be targeting you know, in the later rounds, 10, 11, wherever he's at, wherever he slots in. But Jimmy G's my guy for sleeper QB this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the uh, the pick of Jimmy G. You know, we've seen what he can do. Uh, his very first year uh, starting, he he had what? He was on pace for 5,000 yards. Yeah, something like that. And which then, obviously was a small sample size, but still, I mean. On a per game basis, if you're putting up you know 300 some yards, people are going to take notice. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan offices they they just go, they just they do it. So. Yeah, and that's that's a big reason why I love him this year. Okay, um, who you got for your QB, Jess? My quarterback is not somebody that I would say is slept on from a year to year basis, but because of how he dropped off last year and was injured, in the injury. Uh, I don't think that he's getting as much attention as he probably should, and that's Cam Newton. Oh, uh, I like that. Cam had a like good that. year last year despite a shoulder injury. If you look at the numbers, uh, he had 3,395 yards and 24 touchdowns in the air and almost 500 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. And that was with that bad shoulder through a few games and eventually him missing the last two games of the year. His arm was so bad. His arm was so bad they were subbing him out on a few deep throws at the end of the year with the backup quarterback because they didn't think he could make the throw. Uh, he had surgery, which the injury was built up scar tissue from a previous sh- shoulder surgery, and they just had to clean out his shoulder. Everything seems to be going good for him now. He's been throwing since June, and he's announced to be a full participant training in training camp uh, later this month. Uh, I'm not worried about him at all. He's going to run a lot and rack up those juicy rushing yards for uh, fantasy quarterbacks. He's got DJ Moore coming into his second year after a great second half of his rookie season. Uh, he's got Curtis Samuel, who is being underlooked, and could end up stepping up to be the wide receiver one. We don't know who it's going to be between him and DJ Moore. Uh, you got the PPR monster and Christian McCaffrey, whose arms have exploded during the offseason, <laughs> and uh, almost had 2,000 all-purpose yards last year, and it was pretty quiet uh, besides through the fantasy community. Uh, he's only going to get better on the ground, and he's amazing through the air. And not to mention somebody that a lot of people have written off because of his age and because of his injury history, Greg Olson. Uh, but he's when he's healthy, he's still a good weapon. Uh, I'm not big on taking QBs early, but if Cam drops to me, I'll take him. Yeah, Cam, he's one of those guys that I like to draft um, in my fantasy draft just because, you know, those rushing yards, they add up. And they're, uh, they're very vital to, you know, getting those top-tier scores out of a quarterback. And, you know, when you mentioned Lamar Jackson earlier, I immediately thought of Cam and how he, he's been one of those guys that likes to get out of the pocket, take some extra hits. And I think Cam, his rushing is going to be something they kind of hold back on here in the future just because, you know, he's had those injuries. He's dealt with, you know, shoulder, all sorts of stuff, concussions, etc. But I think he's still, you know, when they get down around the goal line, he's still – a threat to dive over that line and get you an extra six points that you might not have from a guy that's in the pocket most of the time, like, you know, Jimmy G's probably going to be this year or someone like that. So I think Cam Newton is, is a good call by you. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So those are our QBs. Let's move on to running backs. Um, my unsung hero running back this year is Devonte Freeman of the Falcons. Let me explain. So, Falcons, they uh, they shored up the uh, offensive line in the draft. They took two offensive linemen early. Um, Lord knows if they'll perform, you know, up to expectation. But if they do, that's just a plus. Um, the Falcons were one of just six teams last year that had less than 100 uh, rushing yards per game. So that's something they're gonna want to, you know, establish early. Um, they went out and got uh, your boy Dirk Cutter from hey. the uh, Buccaneers. So he's that had a, he's had experience in, in Atlanta. Yeah, as well. yeah. This is his second stint um, in Atlanta, so he'll be in familiar territory. Um, Atlanta's defense, 
as we know, I think Atlanta was probably one of the more banged up teams last year, especially on defense. Oh yeah. Um, having Deion Jones back, having Keanu Neal back, I think that's going to be vital for them. I think that helps Freeman's outlook, especially if they're winning more games and he's getting those second half carries. I think that's going to help. Um, last year he he dealt with those knee and groin injuries, which kept him out basically the whole year. So I think him being 100% healthy is going to be key. Um, he's going later than a lot of people um, would expect with a name like Devontae Freeman on the board. He's going as RB15 right now behind Leonard Fournette, also your boy. Unbelievable. Um, Nick Chubb, who I like Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt being there really scares me second half of the year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I think that's kind of egregious in my opinion. I don't think Dalvin Cook is is the man yet in terms of a fantasy you know guy. He hasn't really exploded onto the scene. Damian Williams, he just got announced as the chief starter, but he's a guy that we've seen you know we've seen the good and the bad with him. So I would not be surprised if Devontae Freeman, being back healthy, um, being on this you know offense, dirt cutters offense, defense better. I would not be surprised if he ends up RB top seven or eight running backs in, um, in the league this year, fantasy-wise. And then, for what it's worth, um, Devontae Freeman, he averages 4.5 yards a carry in dome games, mm. which, as we know, the Falcons play in a dome. Mm. Um, and then, also, the Falcons will play 13 games indoors this year, which is just, like, absurd. I don't know how the schedule ended up like that, but they're playing 13 games indoors, so 4.5 yards a carry indoors as opposed to 3.9 outdoors. And he also has 27 total TDs in 34 dome games against just 7 total TDs in 28 outdoor games. Wow. So the schedule's lined up. The coaching change with Cutter in there. New offensive lineman. um, And he's finally healthy and a better defense. The stars are aligning for Devontae Freeman, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing that's going to help him, besides obviously his health, is the defense coming back? We saw Matt Ryan finish as the quarterback two last yeah. year on the year, and he did it pretty quietly. Yeah, and I think it was pretty much just uh, a a uh, factor from the defense being gone. Like their defense was injured early, and they couldn't rely on Ido Smith. And uh, you know they did what they could with Tevin Coleman. He didn't have as good of a year as he normally does, and they just, they were forced to throw the ball and. Uh, Matt Ryan is good in dome games as well. Yep. So if your quarterback's playing good, your offense is going to be playing good, and Devontae Freeman has a nose for the end zone. He has his whole career. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a steal in drafts this year. He's he's going to help people win championships. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's hear your running back um, unsung hero. Okay. As awful as this sounds to anybody who has played fantasy football in the last few years, I think Lamar Miller could be a steal this year. Oh, shoot. <laughs> now we're talking. This is the first super hot take of J&J Fantasy Talk. Let's let's hear it, Jess. Don't get me wrong. I'm a spuke saying it. <laughs> it's gross, man. It's real gross. But talk about being forgotten about. And maybe for a good reason. He's just, he's just not exciting to draft anymore. You know, when he, when he went over to the Texans, there was all this speculation about if he could do what he did when he was with the Dolphins, and he just hasn't been able to. But uh, he got less carries at the Dolphins, and that can sometimes create high efficiency. And you go and you get a higher workload, and it kind of throws your efficiency down a little bit. Um, He quietly put up 973 yards on 210 attempts for five touchdowns last year. Only 25 receptions for 163 yards, which I'm not a fan of the 25 receptions for, you know, playing, being the guy. And you'll right. have 25 receptions. That's not good in this day's NFL. Yeah, uh, especially when you factor in how bad their O-line was. It's awful. And Watson couldn't have dumped it down to you more than 25 times when he was scrambling for his life. I don't know. I mean, when you're scrambling for your life, really all you can think about is your life. Right. That, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. He only played 14 games and almost hit 1,000 rushing. But the receptions, they do scare me. Uh, still, he's a starter with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. The offense is pretty decent, despite year in and year out having a terrible offensive line. Deshaun Watson got sacked 62 times last year. It's ridiculous. They went out and drafted two tackles, one in the first round and one in the second round. If the O-line is any better this year, Watson will be better, Lamar Miller will be better. 
The Texans didn't draft a replacement for him, and they didn't bring anyone in that worries me. His only competition is Dante or Deontay Foreman, who tore his Achilles in 2017 and isn't back to the promise we saw then. I, I really thought when I saw Deontay Foreman going that he was going to replace Lamar Miller at some point. Uh, but that Achilles injury, man, we've, we've seen players with Achilles injuries. It's not something easy to come back from. It doesn't matter how young you are. Yeah, that's that's something, you know, a lot of people say you never return to that form that you had once before. So who knows with Dante Foreman. We'll see if he gets back to, you know, who he was at Texas. Yeah, he did get on the field last year, but he finished the season with negative yardage, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, Lamar is going in the back of the fifth round and 12-man right now which is a good value for about any starting running back. Uh, it's not going to feel right. <laughs> yeah, not. you're going to get a tingly feeling. Like what? A, you're going to get some t- cognitive dissonance when you draft him. When you draft him, you'll evaluate whether or not you need to start another league and draft again. <laughs> right. It's, it's not going to feel good. But if you take him as your running back, too, I think it'll work out. The line is going to be better, barring injuries, so he's going to be better, right? We'll see. I, I mean... Seriously. Is, I, is he going to be better, Jackson? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, this is your your wave to ride on, buddy. This is your Lamar no, Miller no, I, wave. I think he's going to be better than last year. Almost had 1,000 yards on 14 games. That's pretty good. Houston has had a bad line. I, I think this really helps them out with uh, the the draft picks that they took, uh, one and two. Uh, late fifth and 12th man is pretty nice for a starter. You can load up on three wide receivers and a running back one. Just whatever you do. Just make sure you take a running back before you take Miller because – if you think that picking Lamar Miller as your running back two feels gross, just imagine him being your running back one. But uh, you, you might, if you do that, you might need to like drink some Pepto or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that is very strong advice, Jess. Do not, I repeat, do not draft Lamar Miller as your RB one. That's just disaster waiting to happen. But that's your wave to ride on, and you are on it. It's on the airwaves. Okay, so hey. we'll, we'll we'll get back to that. You know, halfway through the year. <laughs> All right. So, wide receiver, unsung hero for me. I'm going with A.J. Green. Oh, now, like you hear that name and you think, okay, how's he an un- unsung hero? Everybody knows about A.J. Green. But when you think about it, he's kind of – his hype's just not there. Nobody thinks the Bengals are going to do much this year. Um, obviously, new coach, new offense. Uh, right now, he's getting drafted as wide receiver 12, which just sounds absurd to me. Um, his schedule, I like his schedule. Steelers twice, Browns twice, Rams, Pats, Cardinals, 49ers, all on their schedule. Um, he's being drafted behind Adam Thielen, behind T.Y. Hilton, behind your boy Keenan Allen. So, And when I hear those names, I, I look at them and I think to myself, are are – any of those three guys more talented than A.J. Green? I don't Not know. in my opinion. I, I think the one that you might be able to make an argument for is Keenan. But in, in terms of talent, I think A.J. Green is up there with the upper echelon of the league. Um, another reason why I like A.J. Green heading into 2019, the Bengals, they were hot to start the year. Uh, last year they averaged 27.6 points per game those first eight games. Um, and if that would have, you know, if we extrapolate that number throughout the whole season, they would have finished fifth in scoring in the whole league. Wow. So when you take that, plus Tyler Boyd, he, he showed he can do it last year mm-hmm. in um, A.J. Green's absence. So I think him taking double teams away from A.J. Green is going to help as well. So A.J. Green, he's a guy I think is being undervalued right now, and I think he's He's a guy that could win you a league. I think he is, too. Um, I think what it really comes down to is this recency bias. I think that people are scared of the injury. Uh, right. the, last, the last four years, A.J. Green has had two, two years where he's only gotten ten games in. Last yeah. year, he got nine. Yeah. And he's hit 30 now. He's 30 years old, and uh, some people aren't very hot on Andy Dalton, but there's no denying it. When A.J. Green's healthy, he performs. And, yeah. And he is. He's a great receiver out there. He... He can match up with any of them, and uh, he's going to deliver for you uh, week to week. And, uh, yeah, I was actually – he was going to be my pick until I pivoted to somebody else because uh, I was going for a different take. Okay, let's hear it. All right. What do you got for us, Jeff? All right, so if you've ever played in a half-point or a PPR fantasy league, you know that players with high reception totals are the foundation of a solid team. But – 
there's only one wide receiver that you can draft this year that was the Super Bowl MVP of last year. Oh, my year. God. Yeah. yeah, it's Julian Edelman. Uh, you may be thinking, Julian Edelman, oh, he's not forgotten about. He's Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady's receiver. Yeah, this is true. He was. And he had a really solid year despite missing four games at the beginning of the season. But if you look at FantasyFootballCalculator.com, which is a great way of assessing where players are going in drafts, he's going in the beginning of the fourth round in a 12 Is he really? Yeah. Wow. It, insane value. Uh, also, just a little bit of uh, trivia here. Did, did you know that Pro Football Reference has his nicknames as Minitron or Squirrel? I actually have seen that before. So Squirrel. Squirrel, that's that's bizarre. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I do like that pick a lot because he's one of those guys you don't really think about as a top-tier fantasy guy. But he gets a lot of red zone looks. Like, oh, yeah. It's, he's usually up there in terms of league leaders and red zone looks. And I, don't, I can't think of a better value behind a red zone look than a Tom Brady pass. Mm-hmm. So... He's definitely a guy I agree on. Yeah, he was on pace for nearly 100 receptions last year, and that, that was if he played 16. And that's with Gronk being there and James White having, like, 123 targets. I mean, their backfield was banged up. They had to get it going somehow. Uh, but there's no Gronk this year. Uh, they brought in Nikhil Harry, but rookie receivers tend to take a little bit to get going, especially in a, in a Patriots offense. Uh, pretty much Edelman's just going to be the solid guy for sure. Yeah, he you could pencil him in for, you know, twelve targets a game yeah. easily. And, and in his in his history, uh, when Gronk's not on the field, he just he delivers more in fantasy. Yeah, he, he gets more work. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that pick and very very astute, very shrewd of you. Nice pick, Jess. Yes, the squirrel. <laughs> All right, tight end. Here's a position where you want to hit. You want to hit on it. It's, it's one of those where if you draft, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody who, who routinely lets you down at tight end year after year, Tyler Eifert. If you draft a Tyler Eifert, you know, in the middle of your draft and he's the guy you're banking on to be your tight end and he gets injured in game four, your team's basically screwed. So this is a position you need to get or at least back a draft. Draft a backup and you'll be good to go. So... My guy that I think is going to go ham this year is Evan Ingram. And so Evan Ingram, he's a guy who shared the field with Odell uh, these last few years and then also Saquon last year and Sterling Shepard, blah, blah, blah. Odell's not there anymore. Um, Odell wasn't there last year for the last four games. Mm -hmm. And without Odell on the field, Evan Ingram had 320 receiving yards over those last four weeks which was the 10th most receiving yards of any player in the league over that span, and second only for tight ends to George Kittle, who's just a man-child. Last year, Ingram had 577 yards in just 11 games. Um, Odell leaving, that leaves 124 targets behind. So Ingram's going to have a big role. I think, uh, you know, without Odell there, they still have, you know, Shepard. They brought in Golden Tate. But I think out of those three, Evan Ingram's going to be the number one red zone target at least. And I think he's going to be a lot more involved in terms of just between the 20s as well. So Evan Ingram's a guy. I think he's tight end going as like tight end six right now. He's going in the middle of drafts right now. So who knows? I mean, I think he's a good pick. But we'll I, see. I think you know what you're going to get out of him. He's, he's going to be solid. He's going to be a, a week-to-week contributor. Uh, he's not going to be one of those guys that I think is going to have disappearing acts. If you're going to pay up for him, and when I say pay up for him, I mean just in aspects of tight ends. Uh, if you take a tight end in the middle of rounds, you want to have somebody that you're not going to be replacing over and over again through the through the week or through the year trying to find a, a better player for that week. I think you're going to be able to start Evan Ingram every week, and you're not going to have to look at it. You're not going to have to worry about it. Yeah, and, you know, that goes back to the word solid, I would say. Solid is something that you want to have at tight end. It's it's not a position that you want to worry about from week to week. And, you know, I think Evan Ingram's good for maybe one or two blow-up games a year. But, like you said, I think he's never going to have a, a super low floor. Like, I think he's going to be good for 
seven, eight, nine targets. Mm-hmm. And if he goes for 40 yards and a touchdown, you're going to be happy with that. Oh, so yeah. Evan Ingram, I think, is a guy that needs to be drafted, you know, in, in that uh, early tight end range. And I think you'll be happy with what he does for you. Yeah. So let's hear your tight end, Jess. Um, so this is this is the part of the podcast that uh, that I, I knew I you're throwing a curveball, huh? I, I I I'm not excited about it, and, and I'm not excited about giving away what I would call a secret of mine. But it's my duty now, right? Yes, you're you're here to inform the folks. I'm here to inform folks. A little glimpse <laughs> into my fantasy strategy, a little little window to my fantasy house, if you may. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. <laughs> I don't like paying up for tight ends in the draft. Okay. Fair enough. The fantasy landscape for tight ends the last couple of years has been dreadful. It's awful. Not a big fan of tight ends. Uh, let me just give you an idea of why. The 10th best tight end in half point last year was Vance McDonald with 108 points. Antonio Callaway was the 52nd wide receiver in half point with 110 points last year. That's more points than the tight end 10. That's how bad it is for tight ends right now. It is my firm belief that unless you pay up for, you know, like, Ertz, like an Evan Ingram. Kelsey, Ingram. Kelsey and Ertz. O.J. Howard. Yeah, a yeah. Kittle. And even you can – O.J. Howard, you know, I mean, that's still somewhat risky. Right. He hasn't shown he can do it over a full year. So. Yeah. So you can take shots on other tight ends going in the early to middle rounds if you believe in them, and it can work out. Don't get me wrong, but it's a high price to pay. Personally, I see the point totals of these tight ends named Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle, and I immediately say I'm either going to pay up for one of these guys or I'm taking a late-round flyer on a tight end I think has a nice upside but isn't going to destroy my team if it doesn't pan out, like a mid-round tight end that you're not sure on. Like pretty much anti-Evan Ingram. (laughs) Right, right, okay. A lot of volatility, but if it does work out, then... You'll be good. I've been really high on this guy for a couple reasons. One, he's super cheap. He's been able to be picked up with my last or next last pick in mock drafts. And I believe he could be the main target of his offense. Maybe not the best offense for a receiver, but possibly the number one target. And it's Mark Andrews of the Ravens. Uh, I know right out of left field in the middle of a bunch of tight ends. But uh, I promise there's a method behind the madness. All right, let's hear it. Okay, after my Hollywood Brown take, you might just think that I just love the Browns. or The, the, the Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> No. Well, yeah, that's... No. I mean, it's starting to look that way, Jeff. Please, God, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that uh, Brown's going to have a good year, and I think Mark Andrews could be the leading receiver on the Ravens, which has to count for something, right? Uh, Andrews was the only tight end on the Ravens to develop some kind of rapport with Lamar Jackson. Nick Boyle is primarily a blocker, and Hayden Hurst was injured. He was uh, drafted in the third round, so there's some kind of capital behind him. He only saw 13 targets from Jackson while Jackson started, but that was more than any other tight end on the team. Um, I was literally, I was literally, literally writing this when the Ravens dropped some hype that Andrews could be a featured target this year. Since a few receiving options are no longer there, such as John Brown, Michael Crabtree, the Ravens have 296 targets unaccounted for from last year. That's second highest behind the Raiders, right? Yes. Uh, granted, this is a sum of Flacco and Jackson's targets combined. You know, Jackson didn't throw the ball as much as Flacco did. But uh, I definitely expect Andrews' targets to go up because of the turnover of pass catchers. The only worry I really have is Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Uh, Hurst was a first-round pick last year. Uh, he's a good pass catcher, but he's behind Andrews because he missed a lot of time last year to injury. He also had a minor hamstring injury in the offseason. Uh, the Ravens, as of now, are claiming he's a full go, recovered from both his foot injury and the hamstring. But you still just want to keep an eye on Hurst if you're going to take that shot at drafting Mark Andrews. I don't wish injuries on any player, but hamstring issues linger. If it comes up again, it would give me more confidence that Andrews is the guy. Uh, Between the 296 available targets, uh, his report with Lamar Jackson, and Andrews getting hyped up right now out of Baltimore, I think Mark Andrews could be a great late-round flyer if you're not willing to go after an early-round tight end. Uh, somebody who you think is going to be solid because the tight end landscape is pretty, pretty bad. I mean, you could be Vance McDonald of last year and be the tight end 10. That's how bad it is. So taking a shot at, at Mark Andrews, he could be a tight end 1. He, he could finish in the 12th spot. He could, he could get as high as 8. It's just, it just depends on those targets from Lamar Jackson if he gets the ball going this year. Yeah, I like that. That's a pretty uh, sneaky under-the-radar pick, but it's something, you know, if that does work out, 
then, then you're, you're going to be you're at, yeah he's free basically and if he doesn't and pan out then you just play the waiver wire from week to week it's not a fun thing to do with tight ends don't get me wrong but right. unless you have one of those top tier guys or unless you're playing against one of those top tier guys on a week basis you know you're not going to be facing another great tight end in right. your week to week matchups unless you're playing against you know Kelsey or Ertz yeah and if you did decide to wait on a tight end then that means you use that early pick on a you know a value guy that you could swap for yeah. a decent tight end in, in the end. So a better running back, a better wide receiver. Yeah. That's that's the main reason why I wait on tight ends is because I like to get depth in running back and wide receiver. You never know when injuries are going to happen or when somebody's going to spell somebody else. It's it's nice to have depth in your draft and uh, unless you're going to pay up for you know an Ingram, a Kittle, an Ertz, a Kelsey, you're going to be stuck. Uh, taking your shot yeah and why not take a late round shot if you're going to take a shot yeah i like it i like it all right so we got one more segment here and this one's called change of scenery basically what we're going to do is go through um two guys that switch teams and we're going to debate on who's going to have the better year um we're going to start with antonio brown going to the raiders or odell to the browns jess what's your take on this Who's going to have the better fantasy season? I mean, I think it's a lot closer than some people are giving it credit for. Um, A.B. going to the Raiders with Derek Carr and the Raiders not having a very good last year. With with Derek Carr not really being able to return to form since uh, his injury, or at least what we saw from what could have been an MVP year from him, I think that people are really, uh, they're really not giving Antonio Brown the credit that he deserves. I mean, the guy is amazing. He's Yeah, he's a stud. And people have started to sleep on him just because this whole beef with Juju or whatever. Or he had a down year last year. You know how many touchdowns this guy had last year, Antonio Brown? Did he have 15? 15. <laughs> and people think he had a down year. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, it's it's kind of when you get to that level of greatness expectations you know if you don't perform where people think that you are you just get knocked yes i agree and 15 touchdowns is pretty uh pretty good yeah uh you know both these guys are gonna have a large target share raiders have the most targets unaccounted for coming into this year meaning players that receive targets are no longer there ab is gonna get a lot of work early and often i think week to week he'll be more consistent for your fantasy team but honestly i think at the end of the year odell will have more points uh, the Browns' offense is probably going to be really good, even though they don't have many targets unaccounted for. It's Odell. The most targets are going to go to him, and then what's left over will go where it goes. I think they'll both see between 150 and 160 targets, but i got to go with the better offense for more touchdown opportunities. And uh, Raiders' offense is unproven at this point with all the new commodities that they've put in, and their best receiving option last year was Jared Cook. So Yeah, that, that says a lot. but we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think... I think A.B. is going to be more consistent week to week for you, but I think Odell is going to end up sneaking past him. It's going to be very close. I think Odell is going to sneak past him and have the most points out of those two. See, I think I'm I'm actually on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I think A.B. is going to have a better year strictly because of the number of options on the Raiders compared to the Browns. You know, with the Raiders, we've got him, we've got Tyrell, Williams, Tyrell the Gazelle, your boy. <laughs> I, I'm starting to boys. notice they're all your boys. <laughs> um, Darren Waller, who's a guy who's supposed to be their starting tight end. Obviously, yeah, we'll you don't know that name, so he's not much of a threat to no. steal much opportunity. Josh Jacobs, he's a guy who's getting a lot of hype, which deservedly so, coming out of Bama. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Derek Carr last year was the league's top deep ball thrower mm-hmm. in terms of accuracy on ball placement on throws 20 plus yards down the field so that says a lot for your boy the gazelle tyrell <laughs> the deep threat and then as we know ab can run any route so he's obviously a deep threat as well so i think ab just strictly targets i think he might end up with more targets just because of the 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 amount of threats on each team but i think the browns offense will obviously be better but i think like you said i think it'll be close when you look at it from that perspective though i mean you have odell and you have jarvis you know right there's 
you have options there. When it, when it comes over to the Raiders, Tyrell may be good as a number two. He, he might succeed, uh, but he's more traditionally a deep ball guy. And, uh, I mean, if you got Tyrell or A.B. to look at, who are you going to throw to? <laughs> Do I have to answer that? No, no, you don't. All right, so we disagreed on that one. Next one, we got Mark Ingram to the Ravens or Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. I will start us off. I think that I think Le'Veon's going to have the better year, which I don't think that's saying a whole lot. But since Mark Ingram's never really shown us, well, he has before Kamara came around, but that was a while ago. He's older now. Um, I think Le'Veon's going to be the focal point of that Jets offense. I think the Jets as a whole are going to be a lot better. Um, Their defense got better. Um, Right now, Le'Veon's going as RB7 in drafts behind uh, my boy, David Johnson, ahead of James Conner, and ahead of Todd Gurley. Do you think that's a justified spot for Le'Veon Bell? It's hard for me to gauge where Le'Veon Bell is because, you know, he's, he's switching teams, and uh, Adam Gase doesn't have the greatest report for giving running backs what they deserve, as we saw Kenyon Drake when uh, Damian Williams was injured and J.J. got shipped out. Kenyon Drake was killing it for fantasy football, and then all of a sudden Damian Williams comes back, and this work just goes right back to Damian Williams. Um, I think that they paid... Le'Veon so much money they they're going to be forced to give him the ball and there's nobody that really compares to him on their team yeah for sure and you know I think Mark Ingram's going to be a solid fantasy player this year um obviously the Ravens like to run the ball a lot um they ran the ball third most frequently of any team last year so he's going to be involved but I think in terms of points Le'Veon's going to have more opportunity and that'll lead to more points. I think, yeah, I, I think it was when I first looked at this, you know, Le'Veon Bell or Mark Ingram. I, I didn't really look at it as close as I am now. I think that, I think that Mark Ingram could be being overlooked a little bit. I still don't think that. Oh, I'm, what do you know? You like a Raven? No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> taking him. I'm not taking Mark Ingram over Le'Veon Bell. But uh, I mean, they they brought him in for a reason. He got paid a decent chunk of money. Uh, he's got Gus Edwards behind him, who's a good runner. But uh, I think they're going to try and throw the ball to Mark Ingram a little bit. I just don't think the volume is going to be there as much as it's going to be for Le'Veon Bell. And I just think Sam Darnold's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson at this yeah. point. Even though rushing quarterbacks translate good for running backs, uh, I just I just think that Le'Veon Bell is going to be able to get the job done. And uh, Sam Darnold's going to be able to help him do it more than Lamar Jackson's going to be able to help Mark Ingram. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move on to our next one. We've got Cole Beasley. To the Bills, or Adam Humphreys, <laughs> to the Titans. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm only looking at these guys in PPR leagues or deep half-point leagues. Uh, I don't think either one of them will be someone that's finishing with the best receiving numbers on their team. They could both get a lot of volume, but they aren't really field stretchers or red zone threats. My money, if I had to bet, is with Humphreys. I think he's going into the slot and he's going to keep drives alive. The Titans are going to run the ball a lot, but it's not going to be enough all game. Uh, They're going to need some chunk plays on second and long and third and short to keep the chains moving. I think Humphreys will get it done. Yeah, and, you know, Humphreys, he's shown in the past that he can have blow-up games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he had two or three last year. Yeah, he really Um, stepped in. So if Cole Beasley's not going to lead the Bills in receiving, who who you got? Your mans? If Cole Beasley's not going to lead John Brown? There's so many... Robert Foster? <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, man? Uh, it's it's really a toss-up there. But, uh, I mean, if they give the ball to Cole Beasley a, a lot and off, I maybe. I just doubt it. Um, yeah, that that's one. It's hard to project, really, the Bills. Um, I'm sure they're going to throw the ball a little bit more this year, but they like to keep it run heavy as well. So, And then the Titans, they're not really a passing offense either so it's kind of tough but for me i i'm gonna have to go with uh i'm gonna go cole beasley oh you got the beasles huh yeah he uh i think he'll just get more maybe more um targets in my opinion um i think josh allen quite honestly might be better than marcus Mariota already and if he, if he gets that ball under control, I mean, he's got a, he's got a, an arm on him, and he's not afraid to run and, and to take hits and to extend the play. So. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, 
Mariota's been around for a while. He he's had I think one super good season out of what four. Yeah, his so, red zone efficiency that year was ridiculous. Yeah, so unless Mariota turns it around this year, I think the Titans might be moving on from him anyway. So we'll see. I'm gonna go Cole Beasley on this one. Okay, I, I can't knock it. You know, between these two guys, it it just comes down to what you really are projecting for their new team. I mean, both offenses aren't really something that you are going to want a wide receiver piece in a standard league or even even a 12-man if it's uh, if it's not half point. So, um, And then they might be your flex option. Right. All right, moving on to our next, uh, who would you rather have this year on new teams? Tevin Coleman with the Niners or Jordan Howard with the Eagles. I will start us off. Um, if any of you checked out my sleepers article, which I'm sure everyone has, I'm pretty high on Tevin Coleman this year. I'm pretty high on the Niners in general. Um, you know, reuniting with his boy Kyle Shanahan in the Bay. Um, Jimmy G coming back healthy, better defense. Um, I just think Tevin, with both these guys, really, it's going to be about opportunity oh, yeah. and health. Really, yeah, Tevin, Tevin can get banged up on occasion. Jordan Howard, he's been fairly durable for his career, but I think we talked about Miles Sanders earlier. He's going to be a threat to Jordan Howard. Um, Tevin's got a couple threats as well. Uh, peanut bit, peanut brittle Brita. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. And uh, Mr. McKinnon, yeah, Mc, yeah Jarek. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I I'm on the side with Tevin Coleman here. It's tough for me. Uh, there's a world where both of these guys are very successful this year. Both teams have a ton of running backs at this point, but I think the 49ers' backfield is just a little murky for me. Uh, they paid McKinnon to be the guy last year. He got hurt, didn't get to play. Then Breida showed that he could be the primary guy, uh, despite being made of peanut brittle. brittle <laughs> uh, peanut brittle. Uh, and then they signed Coleman in the offseason this year. All three could be the main guy, honestly, where they could – share a committee it's really hard to unless you have the inside scoop it's really hard to see how this is going to work out i think injury during the season is going to give whoever is still healthy a chance to start and that's how the success of coleman or whoever will happen if the opportunity is there he could be great it's just crowded in the backfield in san francisco i i don't think that's the case so much in philadelphia it's still crowded i mean we saw all the running or we we heard all the running backs that they have right now uh, but I think that they're trying to get rid of the committee, bringing in Jordan Howard, drafting Miles Sanders. Uh, they still have a ton of running backs, uh, but you know I, I just don't think that they're all going to make it to the last to, to the final roster. Uh, either Howard or Miles could be the guy. I think Howard's going to be the goal line guy predominantly. Uh, but it, it's going to it's going to take uh, some time to figure it out. We don't. Doug Peterson has a uh, history of of using a committee as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take Howard over Coleman for just the sheer fact that there are less competitors in the backfield when it comes to true skill. Uh, we saw McKinnon is more money. They gave him money. And uh, he's been able to do work when, like, Latavius Murray was injured. Uh, he was uh, he was okay. We just didn't get to see what he did last year with the load. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with the other guys. Brita, he can do it. Tevin Coleman can do it. I just... I, I'm going to go with the team that has less people at the same skill level. Fair enough. Um, to be clear, I personally think the Eagles are going to be one of the better teams out of anybody this year. I think the Eagles are going to be a really good team. But I think Tevin's going to be a better fantasy asset as opposed to Jordan Howard. Mm-hmm. All right, last one here. We've got Devin Funches with the Colts. Or Dante Moncrief with the Steelers. What's your take? Uh, it's also another tough one, uh, especially when you're going for secondary receivers or possibly third receivers, depending on how things work out for both teams. Uh, Dante Moncrief, he could really become something. He could slip into the Martavis Bryant role uh, for the Steelers. The Colts drafted Paris Campbell. We don't know where they are between Devin Funches and, and Paris Campbell right now. You'd think that Devin Funches having as many years as he's had in the league is going to be second in the pecking order. And having Andrew Luck as your quarterback's nice. Also having Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback's nice. Both of these offenses are going to be good. Uh, the Colts, I favor them on defense a little more, but when it comes to wide receivers, that doesn't really affect me. Um, 
I it's really it's really a coin toss for me. I think I'd take Dante Moncrief for the upside because Juju Smith-Schuster is really the only true pass-catching option they have over there. They have Vance McDonald. They got rid of Jesse James. But uh, we haven't seen Vance just get peppered with targets. And uh, we saw Juju, he, he's gotten his fair share, and he'll probably get more this year. But who else are they going to throw the ball to that they have confidence in besides him and James Conner? Uh, Dante Moncrief has a pedigree in the league. He's, he's floated around a little bit, but he's, he's got some nice deals, and he's, he's made some impacts. He'll probably be a deep threat, and uh, he could really turn it on for the Steelers. Yeah, I tend to lean a little bit more towards Moncrief on this one. Um, with Funches, I'm worried about his red zone looks because last year we saw Ebron just blow up in the red zone for the Colts. Yeah. Um, without Jack Doyle there as well, he's going to be back. Yeah. And then also T.Y., he gets his looks. So where does Funches fit in there? Obviously, he's probably going to be the second wide receiver. But is he going to be, you know, used in the red zone, between the 20s? We don't really know. With Moncrief, I think, you know, by all accounts right now, he's going to be the number two in Pittsburgh. And that's that's a spot you like to be in. Um, the Steelers threw the ball the most out of any team last year. Um, I don't know whether that was the Le'Veon Bell effect, not having Le'Veon there or what, but they threw the ball a ton. I think Moncrief is definitely viable. Um, Funchess is also viable. Like you said, I like both these offenses a lot. Um, I personally think the Colts will be a better team this year, but I think both these teams have a chance to make the playoffs, maybe make a run in the playoffs. But, yeah, I tend to lean a little bit towards Moncrief as well. Yeah, surely for fantasy purposes, if you look at the Colts, there's a lot of pass-catching options over there right now. And uh, if you look at the Steelers, it's significantly lower when it comes to people who have solidified themselves as just good players in the league. So if you're going to take a late-round flyer on somebody, if, if I have my last draft pick on the board and I don't know what to do with it, I, I, I could throw it towards Dante Moncrief and see what happens in week one. He might just blow up and he might get solidified right away. Yeah, and another, another point I wanted to touch on with Moncrief before we wrap it up here is the experience level he's actually the most experienced receiver on the team yes even ahead of juju who who's what going into his third year so moncrief he's got the experience ahead of james washington ahead of deontay johnson so we'll see what happens i think i think uh moncrief's the pick there so yeah i agree all right that was our last segment on j and j fantasy talk thank you guys for joining us today and I'm already looking forward to the next episode. we got to start scheming on that. Oh, it's going to be a great year. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm also ready for you know just fantasy drafts and the season in general. So I've mock drafted about 50 times since the Super Bowl. <laughs> I need to get on my mock draft grind as well. So we, we got to get after it. All right, thanks for joining us. I'm Jackson Kane. This is Jesse Toops. We appreciate you guys. This is J&J &J Fantasy Talk. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.